Lalo THR here. What's going down, everybody? I hope everyone is doing fantastic this morning as I am. And we're going to get into the AEW Dynamite review, the fallout from AEW Revolution that popped off this past Sunday. An exhausting show, quite frankly. Um, I find myself in the minority of people who... Um, kind of rated it as a, you know, average kind of pay-per-view. I mean, call me which will. I thought it was kind of average, the pay-per-view itself. I mean, it was, no, not average. It was good. It was a good pay-per-view, but I'm one of the very few people who are saying it wasn't great. It wasn't epic. It wasn't, you know, it, it was okay. It was good. It was good. It was better than okay. But, um, so this dynamite that followed it was supposed to be the fallout now, let's break down the lineup before we actually get into the thick of things here. The TNT Championship was going to be on the line as Sammy Guevara defends to Scorpio Sky. And in a shocker, Scorpio Sky would indeed become the new TNT champ. More on that in a bit. AEW World Champion Hangman Adam Page would defend the title randomly to one Dante Martin. I gotta say, um, this episode was filled with a lot of random kind of matches, you know, um, that one being one of them, and then we also had Pac take on, uh, Yuta, Wheeler Yuta, which actually is not even listed here in this, uh, in this section here on Bleacher Report. Uh, Thunder Rosa would take on Legit Layla Hirsch, John Moxley and Brian Danielson would take on the Workhorsemen. Uh, and we would also hear from William Regal for the first time on AEW TV. Very, uh, very special moment there. Chris Jericho would address Eddie Kingston. That actually opened the show. And what a big moment that was. And in a more, an emergency board meeting of the Andrade Hardy family office. So let's get into. Chris Jericho addressing Eddie Kingston. Guys, this was... I, I said it on Reddit. This is like the red wedding. <laughs> this was AEW's red wedding moment. Just the, the utter betrayal here. As Jericho and Eddie would, would uh, trade words. And Jericho would basically apologize for not shaking his hand. And um, it was... You thought it was leading to a handshake. Out of nowhere, 2.0. <laughs> um... They run out to the ring with Daniel Garcia, and they clean house. They start beating the brakes off of off of Jericho and um, and Eddie Kingston. Although one thing I noticed very visibly that they did not touch Jericho though, like it was awkward. And I and and looking back now, obviously after the events unfolded, now I can see why. But I thought that they were just trying to be gentle with Jericho or I don't know what was going on I'm like yo y'all you're not making this look real when it comes to Jericho like they were really laying it in on Eddie Kingston but on Jericho they were kind of being real soft you know what I'm saying Kleenex soft like they were being real soft on him they weren't really touching him much I was like what's going on here um then the uh, proud and powerful would run out to the ring to to try to even the odds a little bit and then out of nowhere Jericho grabs one of the baseball bats and slams it into Eddie Kingston and Santana and Ortiz. And it's the heel turn of of the year, quite frankly, for at least for AEW. And certainly um, one of the better heel turns because 
I mean, let's be honest, you could kind of smell this turn coming from a mile away, but the way they executed it, it, it added a nice element of surprise. I did not see this coming. I really thought AW was going to go the corny route and have, you know, Eddie Kingston and Jericho uh, defend themselves to 2.0 and then, you know, form a little tag team, at least going, at, at least as a one-off, going into the following Dynamite or perhaps Rampage where they would then face uh, 2.0. But instead, we got the Jericho Appreciation Society faction. And that is indeed the official name of this faction. In my opinion, they, they missed a huge opportunity to call this Inner Circle 2.0. It, it, it's perfect because Jericho was wearing a vest that said Inner Circle Original on it. Which, by the way, that vest was sick. I would, I would actually buy that if they released that in mass. But... Then you had 2.0 out there. They're literally called 2.0. So this could have been Inner Circle 2.0. I don't know. That's just me. I, I thought that would have made perfect sense. But hey, the Jericho Appreciation Society, that's cool too. And I'm definitely going to buy the t-shirt whenever if they release one. Because I am a definitely a huge Jericho fan. And I would be a part of this Appreciation Society. I've been watching Jericho do his thing since I was a kid, man. When Back when... He was on WCW being underutilized, you know what I mean, um, coming out with Ruffus <laughs> and jobbing to Goldberg and but then having barn burners with the luchadors, you know what I'm saying? Like he's just he's just out of this world, man. Talented guy. Um, we had a random match here with Adam Page defending the title to Dante Martin. Why? Why did this happen? Like, I mean, I'm not throwing shade on, on Dante or anything, but what did he do to deserve a title shot? I, I, I If anything, the, he should have just had a singles, an exhibition match. I, I think that makes the title look kind of weak when you're you're going to defend it on a pay-per-view, then defend it to some jabroni the following, you know, television, weekly television show on free TV. It really kind of... Uh, devalues the title in my opinion you know title matches they really should be sh especially when you're talking about your number one title i mean like the tnt championship for an example i could understand that being defended on a weekly basis or even on a bi-weekly basis but when you have your most prestigious title that should be a special momentous kind of thing like only on occasion that gets defended to someone worthy enough to vie for it and again, no shade on Dante Martin. The kid is incredible. He still needs a little bit of work. Uh, although he has come a long way since that MJF match, which was terrible. Dude, like, got gassed up. He got blown up in, like, the first five minutes of the match. Doing all these crazy things. Landing on his face. He's come a long way since then. But he still needs work. And he's definitely not ready for a championship match. Not for the top prize in the business. Uh, Scorpio Sky, who ended up capturing the TNT title, actually would have made more sense being in this spot. And Dante being in the TNT title spot. <laughs> you know what I mean? But nonetheless, uh, Adam Page, of course, retains and showed big ups, big respect for Dante Martin in the post-match. Perhaps this match could signify that Dante's singles run is officially over because obviously his brother Darius Martin he had been on the shelf for quite some time 
I don't even remember when the guy got injured originally, but he had been away for so long that a lot of people probably don't even realize that Dante Martin is actually a tag team wrestler. He's not a singles guy. <laughs> but AEW, they're not like WWE, where if one member of a tag team gets injured, then the whole tag team is going to be on the shelf. You know what I mean? AEW put this guy to work. And he's been having some good shine as a singles competitor. And um, hey, perhaps this match was just the tail end of it. Showing that, hey, this is the grand finale for his singles run. He's going to go back and do big things with Top Flight. And I can dig that. John Moxley. John Moxley and Brian Danielson take on Drake and Anthony Henry. Now... Before I get into that match, actually, I do want to mention something. That next week, Adam Page will be involved in a six-man tag match against Adam Cole and Red Dragon. And Adam Page has yet to announce his tag partners, although I think it might have been... Uh, sh I, I think he might have said that he actually chose Jurassic Express... Um, or formerly known as, I should say, uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. But um, guys, I just want to say right now, I, I'm pretty sure his partners are going to be the Young Bucks. I'm pretty sure the Young Bucks are going are gonna to side with Adam Page in that six-man tag. And, and they're going to do battle and it's going to officially kick off this big Civil War angle amongst the elite faction the super elite faction, which is going to be the hottest angle this summer. I could tell you right now, guys, if y'all thought that 20, uh, 2021 was amazing, 2022 is just going to get crazier, guys, this summer. I cannot wait. Um, so here's to hoping for that. Um, just because the Young Bucks, they, like I said in the pay-per-view review, they put on bangers no matter what. And this will help Adam Page as well to put him in an exciting match like this against adam cole but let's go ahead and move on now to the next matchup we have john moxley and brian danielson taking on jd drake and anthony henry and overnight overnight uh moxley and brian are easily the hottest tag team in the entire business right now i don't need to go over this match mox and brian smashed and we finally heard from the great lord of war Sir William Regal in the post-match. Now, Regal stumbled a little bit. He got kind of emotional. He got choked up addressing Tony Schiavone. A lot of people don't realize. Um, I'm talking about, by the way, when I say a lot of people <laughs> don't realize something, I'm usually referring to people who are either just turn tuning into AEW because there's a lot of them, lapsed fans who are barely turning tuning into AEW or perhaps youngsters that didn't even know that wrestling existed on Turner Networks once upon a time on TBS, on TNT. So anyway, a lot of people don't realize that William Regal and Tony Schiavone do have a history together. Obviously, Tony, a long-standing uh, employee of WCW and, and commentating while they were on TNT and TBS. So this is big, you know, William Regal. I'll never forget Will William Regal schooling Goldberg, man, on an episode of Nitro. I'll never forget it. Goldberg looked like a deer caught in headlights. He didn't know what to do. And, and Regal was taking his ass to school. 
and Goldberg to this very day is bitter about it too. Goldberg's like, oh, he took advantage of me. Um, <laughs> like, fool, you're way bigger than him. He didn't take advantage of you. If you want to, you could you could have smashed on him, but you didn't know what to do because he was so technical. And anyway, it's on YouTube, incidentally, if you guys want to watch that. Just all you got to do is look up Lord William Regal versus Goldberg, WCW. And you'll see Goldberg look like a deer caught in the headlights in that ring against the master that is William Regal. And this speech was masterful. I mean, he, you know, he did stumble a little bit. As I said, he got choked up and he actually went over his time and he apologized for that. He actually tweeted today, I believe. It's all over Twitter right now. Uh, William Regal apologizing to his employees for going over the time limit. I tweeted back at him. I said, I, I could have listened to you speak for two hours, Mr. Regal. You know what I'm saying? Just read me a book, dog. <laughs> He's got that voice. Just read me a book. Uh, I'll go to sleep to your voice every night. I don't care how, <laughs> I don't care how weird that sounds either. But, uh... Yeah, man, needless to say, Mox and Brian, whatever this tag, whatever this tandem is going to be called, right, with them and William Regal, assuming that he does continue to manage them, uh, lead them, mentor them, as they then mentor a youngster, uh, it'll be interesting what they call themselves and where they go from here. I said it in the last episode, I'll say it again, I, I really just kind of want Moxley and Brian to just kill... <laughs> Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, just murder them. Just murder them and take the straps. I don't think anybody would mind. And that's no diss on them, but come on, man. It's Moxley and Brian. Pac versus Willie or Yuta. This is that random match I was talking about. Just a stay busy match here for Pac as they continue on with uh, Dark, Penta, and freaking Alex Abrahantis with his weirdo Halloween costume. He's rocking... <laughs> I've been saying it like, dog, you don't need a dress. This ain't a, this ain't Halloween, bro. You know what I mean? Leave your costume at home. You don't got to dress up. You don't got to put face paint on, makeup. You don't got to do none of that, bro. You're fine in your tuxedo and your suit with your gloves, doing your, your settle miedo stuff. You don't got to do all that. It's corny as hell. But they're, they're continuing with this little story. And this is all a stay busy stuff until Ray Phoenix gets back to Death Triangle. And I'm telling you, man, when those trios titles come about, I've been hearing rumors resurface about them. If they come about, Pack, Penta, Phoenix, Death Triangle, inaugural trios champions. Book it. I'm all for it. You know, House of Black, they got their own thing going on. You know what I mean? They got their own thing going on. That's a that's a big-ass faction. But the Death Triangle, they, they should definitely get the trios titles if and when they become a thing. So let's quickly keep going, guys. Emergency board meeting angle pops off as the Hardy family office. Andrade Hardy family office uh, have a board meeting in the middle of the ring. And, you know... I know the big story coming out of this is Jeff Hardy. I get that. I understand that. But one thing I do want to say is like this board meeting thing kind of felt very random as well, though. Like it felt like they really kind of like I, I didn't see any teases of like 
this faction kind of falling apart. I mean, I know, I know Matt Hardy had been leaving the ring, like ringside. But as far as Andrade and Hardy themselves, I haven't really been seen. Maybe I need to pay attention. I don't know. Maybe that's just on my bad. But if they have been like having falling out with each other, they should have emphasized that a lot more before this angle popped off. Because as far as I know, I had no idea there was a big rift going on in the Andrade Hardy family office. I mean, I've seen bigger rifts going on in the Dark Order over the years, which they're, they're long overdue for a disbanding like this. I've seen rifts going on, obviously, Team Taz, when you had Brian Cage leave the group and feud with Ricky Starks. And you know what I mean? Like, I've seen other stables have a much stronger emphasis on their falling out some of which are still together whereas andrade hardy family office like they just formed like a month ago or so and it just happened so quickly you know like i felt like this story was kind of rushed i feel like jeff hardy could have been saved um it didn't need to happen tonight but i get it this is supposed to be the fallout show to revolution which was a huge pay-per-view i mean like i said everybody's you know everybody and their mama is giving it a five-star review i feel like like all out was better i feel like full gear was better uh, that's just me um anyway so this this angle here was to set up the disbanding here obviously matt hardy and andrade exchanged a few words matt hardy said let's look you know what if you want me out of this group you want you want to take over the company i started that's news to me. <laughs> Once again, I haven't seen that emphasized on AEW TV that Andrade wanted to take control of the Hardy family office. Okay. But anyway, Hardy says, you want to take control? You want to take control of the company that I helped build while my boys behind me, private party, they're never going to vote me out. They're always going to have my back. So let's take a vote right now. Anybody who wants me out of the office Thumbs up or thumbs down. And of course, Andrade and his little servant guy give him a thumbs down. Um, and then um, Private Party, they give him a thumbs up. And, and Matt acknowledges it and says, I told you. And then little by little, they turn their thumbs down a la Batista. This was very reminiscent of Batista uh, leaving Evolution way back when. Um, I, I'm sorry to compare AW angles to WWE, but this was way too similar. Um, anyway, uh, Andrade says, you know, one thing you need to do a lot in this business is watch your back. And Hardy gets that weird vibe. Like, what's he talking about? He turns around and he sees private party with their thumbs down and of course andrade ambushes him it's a full-scale assault sting and darby hit the stage they walk rather slowly <laughs> to the ring um and, and that's not the worst part the worst is when jeff comes out we'll get to that but anyway sting and darby then get in the ring finally and they clean house they attempt to clean house but of course the numbers gain quickly subdue them I don't know where Jeff Hardy's music hits. It's the classic Hardy Boys theme song. Now, this caught me way off guard. This caught me by surprise because I figured that WWE owned the rights to this theme. Now, incidentally, I do want to mention that I have heard that theme before in the background of commercials. I swear to God, I've heard it before. And I'm talking about many years ago, long before AEW was a thing, long before whatever like a long long time ago i've heard it before like in tv commercials and stuff like as background music 
Um, so I knew it was like a stock kind of a song. Um, but I, I just had imagined that perhaps WWE bought the rights to it, though, as time went on, because it did become kind of iconic for the Hardy Boys. Um, and I always wondered, I, I mean, if, if WWE didn't own the rights to it, then how come TNA didn't buy the rights to it <laughs> when Jeff was in TNA? I mean, I, I don't know. That broke-ass company. They probably couldn't afford it. But nonetheless, Jeff Hardy comes in with the classic, iconic Hardy Boys theme. And that really caught me by surprise. It took me off guard. But Jeff Jeff comes out. <laughs> and you got Matt Hardy getting jumped in the ring. And Jeff starts doing his little dance. <laughs> he starts acknowledging the crowd and doing his little dance. I'm like, bro, are you high? Are you intoxicated? Like, come on, bro. Your bro is in the ring getting jumped. He's getting beat up. Freaking Sting and Darby Allen had a little bit more of a sense of urgency. And this guy comes out dancing like a clown. But anyway, he gets in the ring. And, of course, he then cleans house. Uh, Matt Hardy does the twist of fate. Sets up the big swanton bomb. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. And Jeff Hardy is all elite. It was a nice moment, if nothing else. I mean, I, I mean, the crowd popped pretty nice for Jeff, and I, I've never, I've established this already, but I'll establish it again. I've never been a big Hardy Boys guy. Um, it's just not my style of wrestling, and and then plus, I, I lost a lot of respect for Jeff Hardy, man, over the years of his his shenanigans, man. Incidentally, Sting, incidentally, Sting, who was in the ring, and him and Sting many years ago in TNA, you know, they were supposed to have a big main event match. Jeff Hardy comes out, he's fucking blown out of his mind, bro. He is smashed. Like, he's completely high. I don't know what he was on, but he was high. Like, he could not work. He was smiling and uh, stumbling around. Maybe he was drunk, too. High and drunk. I don't know. Um, but, you know, Sting was so pissed off. And, and that's just... Uh, you don't do that. In, you know, like, I understand it. We all have our demons. We all have our problems. You know, no matter what, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, whatever. We all have our demons. I ain't nobody in this world perfect. But when you're expected to perform to your fullest, you know, and especially with someone like Sting, who is obviously one of the most respected cats ever. You know what I mean? Like, like you got to hold off just for that one moment, man. This guy, he just completely disappointed Sting, disappointed the crowd, the people, whoever ordered the pay-per-view. Like, I just lost so much respect for him. You know what I mean? And then you fast forward all these years later, and then you have that situation with him leaving WWE for that house show, uh, leaving in through the crowd. And he's a grown man. He can do what he wants. His drug test came back negative, so he was not intoxicated or anything. He did that on his own volition, and that's fine. You know, he's a grown man. He can do what he wants, but that doesn't mean that I have to be a fan of his, man. Um, that's just that's just me. That's just me. I know I'd probably, you know, that's probably a controversial, <laughs> that's probably a hot take right here uh, on the highlight reel, but that's just me. I'm not a big Hardys guy, um, especially on the part of Jeff Hardy. Uh, Matt. Eh, I never been a big fan of his either, but I do appreciate his creativity. Now let's move on, guys. Hardy Boys are back, and uh, yeah, they're gonna do big things. I'm I'm sure um, Sting and and Darby they faced off with the Hardy Boys. I'm sure they're gonna mix it up. That's a kind of a dream match for some people, I suppose. Let's move on. Wardlow speaks. 
Um, he talks about his uh, winning of the Face of the Revolution ladder match, the big honey nut Cheerio that dangled in midair. Um, Wardlow alluded to a contract that that basically he's still under contract with MJF, and that you know MJF uh, should release him. That's the smart thing to do because clearly Wardlow wants out, and he's not. Uh, happy working under MJF and this is kind of a corny storyline you know what I mean because since when did factions have like contracts you know like deals like that I mean you know it's like when back in the day the NWO or or the four horsemen like you think those guys had a contract within the team like dude you guys are all AEW employees <laughs> at the end of the day like I, I don't know I don't know. This 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 storyline just seems really really corny to me that they're going this route. Like, oh, let me out of my contract and I don't know, man. This just seems super corny to me. But hey, it's just it's just another prop, you know what I mean, to keep the MJF Wardlow feud going and it's going to be a big feud, guys. You know, MJF and Wardlow all the all the time they spent together and what was built from then to now. Um, regardless whether you have a stupid contract thing involved or not, this is going to be cool to see. And Wardlow is an absolute stud. He should be the face of the freaking promotion, man. And I'm surprised we didn't get MJF tonight. But after that dog collar match, excuse me, it's um, it's it's understandable that MJF and CM Punk were nowhere to be seen on Dynamite last night. The AEW Tag Team Championship ma match. <laughs> match pops off as Jurassic Express uh, defends to the acclaimed. Now, they're not even called Jurassic Express anymore, but I still call them anyway. Who cares? Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus defending to the acclaimed. Max Caster's rap was kind of whack. It didn't really have a big, like, uh, nasty punchline. You know what I mean? It was It was okay. But the acclaimed, man, what can I say? I'm a huge fan of them. Everybody loves the acclaimed. Indeed, I'm one of them, man. I cannot wait for these guys to rise to the occasion and get their title, uh, their title run that they rightfully deserve because these guys got over organically. They were not shoved down anybody's throat. You know what I mean? Uh, they got over organically. Max Caster got suspended at one point, and yet he's still as over as Rover. So... I cannot wait for these guys to have their moment. And this match was just a preview of what we can see in the future as far as the acclaimed uh, rising to the occasion, man, and capturing those bouts. But for now, it is not the time. And I concur. It would be far too soon to put the straps on these guys. Now, this was... Uh... Oh, wow. This was a tag title match. Crazy. What is with... See... Again, this is just nitpicking. I know I sound, you know, like a whiner right now, a complainer here. But why is it that AEW is going to have champions defending their titles on a pay-per-view? And then literally the next night, oh, not the next night, but the very next show, their weekly, uh, their weekly free TV show, they're going to have the champions all defend their titles again on free TV. Like that really cheapens the pay-per-view and it cheapens the belts. It devalues the titles. Like, you mean to tell me what? Well, well, shit, why did I order Revolution if I could have watched all the champions defend their belts again on free TV, you know? A couple of days later, a few days later, I mean, 
I don't know. That's just me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just nitpicking here. But nonetheless, the, uh, it's very cool always to see the acclaimed on TV. Thunder Rosa and Layla Hirsch have a pretty bad match, guys. This is a continuation of Thunder Rosa working on injury. I need you to understand that. Thunder Rosa is not 100% and it shows. She had a terrible match with Britt Baker at Revolution. I even said it in the review episode that freaking Jade Cargill and Ty Conti actually had a better match than Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. And I never thought in a billion years that I would say that, that those words would be uttered from my mouth. But that's what happened. And guys, Thunder Rosa is not 100%. I know this for a fact now. They have not confirmed it. They're denying it because see, rumors circulated weeks ago that Thunder Rosa had injured herself at an AEW show. Um, and Thunder Rosa and AEW vehemently denied that claim and said that she's not injured. She's okay. Um, and then you see her performance at that pay-per-view. And then you see her performance here against Layla Hirsch. It is all but confirmed to me in my eyes that she is injured. There's no doubt about it. She is injured. She is not 100%. Even her entrance is different. Like she doesn't have that same spark, that same energy during her entrance. You know what I mean? Usually she's hyped. Usually, look at her entrance when she came out in that Wolverine getup, you know, or the Kill Bill getup. Like she's usually so hyped. But lately, these last two matches... She's been, she's looked pissed off, like at the pay-per-view at Revolution. Like I said, she looked really pissed off. Like, like no kayfabe, like, like a, she looked legit pissed off. Like she didn't want to be there. Um, and she was following CM Punk and MJF. So I can totally understand her frustration as well. Like, like, fuck man, I'm hurt. I'm working injured. And, and on top of that, I got to fucking follow that match. Like Jesus Christ, give me a break here, you know? And, and this is AEW's fault. This is AEW's fault. Because when you have Thunder Rosa jumping off of a balcony on free TV, which could have ended terribly when she jumped off the fan stands, you know, to uh, who was it that she was wrestling? Was it Jamie Hayter? Was it Mercedes Martinez? It was the Mercedes Martinez bout, right? When she freaking jumped off the fan stands, you know, on the outside. Like, dude... AEW needs to chill out with these high, these dangerous, risky, high spots. Like, they're trying to be like ECW or I don't know what they're trying to do. They're trying to create a buzz. But this is the result. Now you have your top women star that you were supposed to propel to the next level. Now she's hurt. And now she's performing terribly. And the fans are very much so taking notice. And this is all AEW's fault. This is all of their fault. Because they booked these irresponsible table spots that freaking nearly broke Ray Phoenix's arm. Completely unnecessary. You know, they book all these blood and guts matches and Thunder Rosa and Mercedes Martinez. Her jumping off of the fan stands. They have no responsibility, man, when they're producing these matches. They need to chill the F out. And now Thunder Rosa's hurt. You know what I mean? So I'm, I don't blame her at all. This is all AEW's fault. This is their doing with the way they book these matches. It's irresponsible, man. So Thunder Rosa was competing against Layla Hirsch for a number one contendership spot. 
against Britt Baker. And, and that in itself kind of doesn't make sense. You know, Thunder Rosa just lost a championship bout uh, to Britt Baker. She lost her opportunity at that pay-per-view. Why would she get another one? So that in itself doesn't make any sense. But nonetheless, she wins against Layla Hirsch. So now she's number one contender yet again. And she's going to face Britt Baker in what I'm assuming is the final, the blow-off match in her hometown of San Antonio, Texas at that St. Patrick's Day Slam special edition of AEW Dynamite. And it will be contested in a steel cage to prevent B Baker's goons from running in. That match at Revolution with them running in nonstop, that was insufferable, man. That was absolutely terrible. Um, and, and I love me some Jamie Hayter, you best believe, uh, but to see her running in nonstop and, and Rebel and her annoying ass voice, like, oh my God, that, that match was terrible, guys. I, I can't stress that enough. You've seen it. You already know. Thunder Rose is going to take the women's title in her hometown of San Antonio, Texas, but I'm still upset, man, that she's working like this under, she's clearly hurt, man. You know, she's not 100%. They could deny it. She could tweet that she's fine and AEW could deny it. Oh, we have no, you know, no knowledge of no injury. But come on, man. Just look at the way she's performing, man. She is very much so clearly not 100%. Maybe her injury isn't like a major injury. But clearly it's major enough for her, her performance level to drop massively. Because Thunder Rosa is a, a top of the line performer. Who, who does way better than this. That's all I got to say about that. So let's move on, guys. Let's see. Uh, all right. The, the main event of the day is the TNT title match between Sammy Guevara and Scorpio Sky. They are pushing the wrong member of Men of the Year. That's all I got to say about that. They're pushing the wrong member, man. What, what Ethan Page is just standing there looking stupid now, man. <laughs> While a less talented Scorpio Sky is is over here winning matches and and now he's the tnt title dethroning sammy guevara and that would have been a much better spot for ethan page why ethan page is a better worker he's got the look as well he's a better talker a better worker he's got a martial arts background so he brings legitimacy too. ethan page he's a pretty boy but he's a pretty boy that could whoop your ass in a real life fight okay i don't care how big you are like ethan page he's got a martial arts background he's like a black belt you know what i mean and karate and stuff so he could whoop some real ass he's a pretty boy but he could whoop probably scorpio sky's ass in a real life fight but they're pushing scorpio sky and and no diss to him i mean this dude this is a guy who beat chris jericho in one of the earlier episodes of dynamite i'll never forget it one of the first episodes of the highlight reel i completely shit all over it you know so clearly aew has been behind scorpio sky since its inception you know because they've been trying to do big things for him for quite a while and he finally had his moment right now, you know, winning the TNT title off of the Spanish god, Sammy Guevara. Now, it's two titles, so clearly, I already know what they're going to do. He's going to give one of the titles to Ethan Page. So, they're going to walk around now as like a double TNT champ kind of deal. Um, why do we have two TNT belts? I still don't get that. They need to merge them already. I, I mean... 
the whole Cody thing, that's still a mystery as far as if he had COVID or, or why he needed to take a, like a couple of weeks off. But that was no reason for them to completely manufacture a brand new title, which is a duplicate. Um, so they should merge them. They should unify them. I don't know why there's two. It looks like a tag title belt now. Um, so Ethan and Scorpio are going to walk around with those titles. I can already see it. Um, and um, and good for them, I guess. It, it'll look good on Ethan Page. You know what I mean? But hey, it is what it is. Overall, this episode of Dynamite was kind of all over the place. Um, kind of random. <laughs> You know, a lot of kind of random spots. Like I said, Dante getting that title shot and, and Wheeler Yuta and Pac having a, a match. And it was an okay match. Nothing to write home about. Uh, just like this episode. The big thing, obviously, Jeff Hardy making his, his surprise debut. Um, that popped a lot of people. I That didn't really do nothing for me. I was kind of indifferent, to be quite honest. Oh, I, I, I did like to hear the, the Hardy Boys theme in AEW. I thought that was cool. I will I will concede that. Just to hear that classic, excuse me, Hardy Boys theme song in AEW on TNT, yo, on TBS, rather. That, that was a cool thing to see, you know. Um, William Regal speaking, giving a little speech. Showing love to Tony Schiavone. That was probably the highlight of the show for me. I mean, honestly. Um, yeah. And, and it remains to be seen what comes of this. Actually, before I move on though, I do want to mention that Ty Conti, um, they officially... <laughs> I mean, as if as if nobody knew. As if not everybody knew already. But, but Ty Conti and, and Sammy Guevara basically... Um, showed that they are a they are a thing on aew tv to my knowledge this is the first time that they acknowledge that they are a real item in real life now on aew television um which is kind of embarrassing given that <laughs> sammy proposed to pamnesio uh in a, in a in a promoted big announcement you know like just not even a year ago it hasn't been a full year ago i don't think and then now you have <laughs> Ty Connie and Sammy Guevara, uh, clearly an item as they are. Uh, well, she came to his aid, you know, because he did the 630 and crashed into the tables on the outside. And he was selling it big, like if he broke his ribs or something. So Ty was coming to his aid. Now, in the audience, you had Paige Van Zandt. And she actually, um, well, Ty would get in Paige Van Zandt's face and, and, you know, mean mugger. I gotta tell you guys right now, um, just, just going off on a tangent here. Ty Conti, she is a really good actress, yo. Like, she's in a, she, she should get a movie deal off of this performance alone. Like, the way she was really, um, I, like, I, I, I mean, during picture in picture even, while I was watching Sammy Guevara on the floor, you know, on the on the crunched up table, like pointing at his ribs, and Ty Conti started crying, yo, and she was like touching his ribs too, and like I, I they they actually worked me, like I thought for a minute there, like holy shit, did Sammy legitimately hurt himself, man? Like did he legitimately hurt himself because AEW loves all their table spots and all these unnecessary crazy spots all the time, you know they do it so much that. It's not even a big deal anymore when you see stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like like Sammy crashing through the table on a 630. That wasn't even a big deal anymore because we see it so damn much. You know what I mean? Like it's just too much. It's like the pay-per-view. One of the reasons why it was kind of 
I don't want to say lackluster, but kind of just meh to me is because we just seen so much blood, you know, so much blood. Brian Moxley and Punk and MJF. It's not a big deal. Like, oh, OK, you know, it's just one of those things. It's AEW's canon now. Blood and guts and table spots and hooray. All the shit, all the shenanigans. But yeah, Ty Conti is a fantastic actress. I gotta tell you again, like she really sold it as well as Sammy was selling it. Like she was crying and rubbing his fucking ribs. And and then when she got up in, in Paige Van Zandt's face, who was like laughing about the whole thing, like, like Ty Conti's face when she walked up on Paige Van Zandt, I thought she was gonna sock her right in the jaw. I thought she was going to give her a two-piece and a biscuit. The way she walked up on her with that face. Um, so, I just got to say it, man. Ty Conti, she is, she is a very, very great, great women's performer that AEW has up their sleeve right now. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if she gets a movie deal off of that spot right there. Some of the Turner executives, they're going to see that. They're going to be like, well, we need to green light her on HBO Max. We need to put her in a series. Um, that, that, that girl is special. Yeah, she really is. Ty Conti, one of the most improved wrestlers. I'm going to tell you right now, when Dave Meltzer, not Dave Meltzer, when um, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, when they do those yearly awards, obviously last year the most improved wrestler of the year was Britt Baker. This year, I want Ty Conti to be nominated for that. The most improved wrestler, women's wrestler of the year. Um, her facial expression game, everything. It's on point. So, just throwing that out there, but um, Paige Van Zandt is officially All Elite. Tony Khan would tweet it, and she is officially part of All Elite Wrestling. And you know what, guys? You know what? I, call me what you will. I think this is a, not a bad pickup for AEW. You know, Paige Van Zandt, she's got a lot of outside eyeballs, like from outside the wrestling world. Obviously, her history in MMA, and then she even did bare-knuckle boxing. Um, which is a crazy thing to do bare knuckle boxing you know what i'm saying so she's a very she's a legit tough chick like she's legit like layla hirsch and she's got her only fans and <laughs> i'm bringing that up because hey you know you have mma's mma guys that follow her and chicks but then you also have weirdos who are just perverts and like to see her because she's a very attractive woman so what I'm saying is she's going to bring a lot of eyeballs to AEW. Um, so if they can train her to work a good match, she's going to be a very good pickup for AEW's women's division. I got to be honest with you. You know what I mean? Um, I think MMA and wrestling, um, it, it could work in, in sometimes. You know, it could work. These little crossovers. Let's move on to the news, guys. Alright, so speaking of uh, Paige Van Zandt, we have a report here. Paige Van Zandt set to train with Gangrel. However, she is still signed with Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. So that's interesting. I'm, I'm not... How in the world was AEW able to sign her if she's still signed to this other promotion, this uh, <laughs> Bare Knuckle Fighting thing? So let's read this article, guys. Paige Van Zandt became the newest signing for... All Elite Wrestling officially signing her contract at the end of Wednesday's Dynamite. Van Zandt is a former UFC fighter who has also competed for Bare Knuckle Fighting Champions. According to Mark Raimondi of ESPN, Van Zandt is still signed with BKFC. Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship spokesperson Bernie Barmasel said AEW and BKFC will work together 
to build her career. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, I can dig that. Okay, so Van Zandt is 0-2 in her BKFC career, losing to Britton Hart and Rachel Ostovich by decision. As far as her wrestling career goes, Raimondi reports that she will train Coastal Championship Wrestling in Pompano Beach, Florida, where Gangrel serves as the head coach. Interesting. Okay, so she's in good hands, man. I mean, if listen, if if uh, this this uh, bare knuckle fighting promotion, if they're willing to work with AEW, um, you know. And building her career, as they said, that can be an interesting route. Um, I would have to wonder if there would be some kind of crossover where maybe a, a another like Layla Hirsch decides to have a bare knuckle fight with her at that BKFC promotion. You know what I mean? I'm just saying there could be some kind of crossover like that. It's very interesting. I like those words he chose. We're gonna they're gonna work together to help build her career. Yeah, Paige Van Zandt, like I said, man, she's a very good-looking woman who can also fight. You know what I mean? And she's uh, she's definitely going to bring a lot of attention to AEW. So this is good for the brand. Rhino says, God willing, I can have five more years in wrestling and then transition to being a producer. That's interesting. I, I know Rhino is currently with Impact Wrestling. Uh, and that's, you know, he is a legend. His gore, his his version of the spear, always been uh, pretty deadly looking. Uh, let's see. William Regal apologizes to his co-workers for not hitting his time on AEW Dynamite. That's what I alluded to earlier. Uh, William Regal did issue a tweet, uh, issuing an apology to all of the to all of AEW and the wrestlers and the workers for. For going over his allotted time in that speech. I, I mean, Mr. Regal, just read me a bedtime story, bro. You can go as long as you want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Read me a book, brother. You can go as long as you want. You don't got to apologize to nobody. Let's see. More news. Let's see, guys. Brock Lesnar on Logan and Jake Paul. They thought outside the box and promoted themselves. Eh, yeah. I mean, I, I respect the hustle. You know, I can't hate on nobody that... You know, makes a kill in doing something that they set their mind to do. Even if it is killing the sport of boxing, but <laughs> more power to those guys. If they could take advantage and make the money, whatever. I, ca I can't hate. Deanna Purrazzo, open challenge added to Impact Multiverse of Matches. Deanna Purrazzo needs to get the hell out of Impact. She's too good for that promotion, man. She needs to come to AEW. If anybody can beef up AEW's women's division, it's the Virtuosa. Diana Purrazzo. I've been high on that chick for so long, man. She is just... I mean, obviously, she's a beautiful woman for one, but she's also a fantastic hand in the ring, man. Um, she would be a great, great pickup for AEW at some point down the line. Incidentally, actually, now that we're talking about the women's division, I do want to mention that on Dynamite, uh, Tolly Blanchard apparently was fired by FTR um as their their advocate or whatever their mouthpiece so there's been a lot of speculation why this happened now some people are speculating that Tolly Blanchard is going to usher in the Briscoe Bros then other people are speculating that he's actually going to usher in Tessa Blanchard into AEW um and which will I mean listen guys you know 
what what can I say? Tessa Blanchard has some crazy controversy following her. Um, she has not issued an apology. She denies it to this day. She says that, you know, those things never happened, blah, blah, blah. Even though it's her word versus the word of like, you know, 15 other people. But, uh, man, Tessa Blanchard is just such a talented, talented competitor, man. A performer. She is so good, guys. Like, just... I'm, I'm, I'm utterly surprised that WWE has not put pen to paper on her a long ass time ago because she's exactly what they look for she has the facial expressions her overall presentation the way she walks the way she looks at the audience the way she makes eye contact with certain fans the way she moves her head when she's addressing the fans and walking to the ring like she has all of those little things that really make a big star in the wrestling business like she's just you know, technically speaking, she's not like a, a Kurt Angle type of performer in the women's division. But she's very good. She's a good feeder. She's a good seller. She's, I mean, she's just got the fundamentals down pat. But more importantly, it's it's her it's her performance aspect in her facial expressions, her presentation when she comes out to the ring, um, the way she moves, the way she walks, the way she looks. She's just got it, you know. Tessa Blanchard has got it. She's got a big ass chin like Jay Leno, but <laughs> but she's got it. I'm telling you right now, she is a she is a fantastic women's performer, man. So would I be mad if Tolly Blanchard brought Tessa Blanchard to AEW? I'd be skeptical, man. You know, I'm not gonna say I'd be mad, but I'm not gonna say I'd be happy necessarily. I just Deep down in my in my core, I just feel like a talent like Tessa Blanchard should not be wasted, man, over some stupid shit that happened, you know, however many years ago or whatever. I mean, we all make mistakes. I mean, um, fuck, man. She's just way too talented to just, just be, you know, left high and dry, just performing in Mexico with her husband, Daga, and... And um, now this uh, women of wrestling, I haven't even seen them pop off. I thought they were supposed to be on TV by now. Anyway, that's the speculation regarding Tolly Blanchard. Um, but on the part of Diana Purrazzo, man, I would love her in AEW. That's all I got to say about that. Chris Jericho claims that Kevin Owens is the best guy for the job working with Steve Austin. I disagree with that. I mean, perhaps he is the best guy as far as protecting Austin and making sure he doesn't get hurt and blah, blah, blah. I get all that jazz. But but I feel like um, Austin's return to the ring is kind of being wasted. Uh, you know, like it should be against someone that's really humongous. You know, Kevin Owens, I love the guy. He's he's great. Don't get me wrong. Please don't twist my words. I'm not saying he's like nobody. Kevin Owens is fantastic. He's one of the best. But for Austin to come out of retirement for a match after like almost 20 years of inactivity, it should be against somebody special, man. Somebody much bigger than Kevin Owens, if you know what I mean. You know, like just... I don't know. I don't know who. I, I, I alluded to it before. CM Punk would have been a good option when they were teasing that way back when. Um, like in 2013 or whatever. That would have made sense. Both kind of rebels, uh, controversial figures, whatever. Polarizing figures. But, but Kevin Owens just doesn't do it for me, guys. 
AEW Revolution 2022 draws 110,000 streaming buys. Um, according to Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer, AEW Revolution drew 110,000 streaming buys on Bleacher Report and Fight TV. Numbers for traditional pay-per-view were not given. Meltzer noted that the buy rate could finish between 146k to 170,000k. Uh, having 170,000 buys. AEW Revolution 2021, headlined by John Moxley and Kenny Omega in an exploding barbed wire death match. I remember that. Drew 135,000 buys. While AEW Revolution 2020, headlined by Moxley and Chris Jericho, drew 90,000 buys. Wow. So you can see the gradual growth. You know what I mean? They went from 90,000 buys in 2022 to 135,000 buys in 2021 to 146 to 170 buys in 2022 man that is phenomenal growth I, i'm sure tony khan is a happy ass man right now that is that is a great great uh evolution you know in, in pay-per-view buys and streaming buys uh, obviously we don't even know the pay-per-view traditional pay-per-view numbers yet Ronda Rousey, Rob Van Dam, Logan Paul, and more announced as WWE 2K22 DLC characters. <sighs> you know, guys, I've been looking at footage now. Since it's been released, I've been looking at, like, uh, gameplays and uh, footage of WWE 2K22. And it doesn't look all that much different, man, from 2K19 or 2K18 or any of the previous games. So I'm disappointed. I really thought it was going to hit different. I thought it was going to be a whole different thing. But it looks the same, you know, just for minor differences. Like the reversal system is kind of different with the blocking thing. Kind of made it like a fighting game almost, but... I don't know, man. I'm just disappointed. I thought 2K22 was going to be like a return to form like SmackDown versus Raw 2006 status. But no, it's it looks like more of the same. Definitely a, a gargantuan improvement over 2K20. But I mean, that's not saying much as 2K20 was literally feces in a box that started COVID, incidentally. Um, Swerve Strickland says he reached out to NJPW first. And explains how the AEW deal came together. That's a good article to read. Uh, but let's move on. I don't have a whole lot of time. I got five minutes left to work with, guys. Let's see. Keith Lee says NJPW is where I originally wanted to go prior to signing with WWE in 2018. Wow, all these cats wanting to go to Japan. Okay. Vince McMahon shares the story of four other wrestling promoters planning to off him. Oh, yeah, that was on the Pat McAfee show. Yeah, that was a very interesting uh, telling of that story there. Uh, Jim Ross actually heard like other promoters in a bathroom while Jim Ross was <laughs> he was taking a shit. And he heard other promoters in the same bathroom talking about p plotting to kill Vince McMahon. And and poor JR, he's there trying to hold in his shit so they don't hear him because he could, I mean, if they're plotting to kill somebody, he could become a, a person on the hit list. If he hears something he ain't supposed to hear. That was a very interesting uh, story there, guys. You got to check out Vince McMahon's review on the Pat McAfee show. I highly recommend it.
All right, guys. So before I sign off here, let's go over the rampage that we got set March 11th going down tomorrow. Um, we're going to see Shane Swerve Strickland make his debut taking on Tony Nice. We got Jamie Hayter taking on Mercedes Martinez. That should be a barn burner there. Two big women going at it. <laughs> Darby, excuse me, Darby Allen and Mark Quinn. A stay busy bout for Darby, I guess. Give Mark Quinn some shine as Isaiah Cassidy been getting a lot of shine lately. QT Marshall and Keith Lee. That's a bout that has a little build up to it. And I cannot wait to see Keith Lee toss around QT Marshall like a Frisbee. Now, incidentally, uh, Keith Lee in that face of the ladder revolution. He absolutely tossed Orange Cassidy like a Frisbee. And what I thought was going to happen to Isaiah Cassidy happened to orange uh, uh orange cassidy <laughs> i just realized they got the same last name what <laughs> my mind just broke for a minute there um keith lee tossed orange cassidy out the ring and he overshot it and orange cassidy actually got injured bumping on the freaking ramp yo <laughs> and no hard feelings hey man hey keith lee is the next level bro you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do to put this man over big a uh, mission accomplished but orange cassidy <laughs> he is on the shelf <laughs> he is injured but he will get well soon um keith lee is a freaking monster man i can't wait to see him demolish qt marshall as well um Matt Hardy reacts to Jeff Hardy's review. William Regal calls Brian Danielson the perfect wrestler and John Moxley the perfect sadist. Orange Cassidy sustains injury at Revolution. No timetable set for his return, as I mentioned. Let's see. Uh, what else do we got here, guys? Before I sign off, Darby Allen Revolution News. AEW. Worked on landing iconic WWF E theme song. Okay, that's probably the Hardy Boys theme that WWE apparently did not own. That is surprising. Uh, <laughs> Matt Hardy says, Thank you, Vince McMahon, for freeing my brother Nero. <laughs> uh, let's see. Jungle Boy comments on potentially potentially having a singles run in AEW. Uh, it's not time yet, dude. I do want to mention here. Here's the last story I'll talk to you guys about. Um, EC3 and Braun Strowman, formerly known as. They started their own promotion, guys. It's called Sin. C-Y-N. Control Your Narrative. It was a show, a long series on YouTube that actually turned into a full-fledged promotion. Now, what makes this kind of sort of exciting is that EC3 has already confirmed that there is a TV deal being worked out for this promotion. So, guys, we could see a third major promotion rise, you know, rise above like a phoenix. I mean, we got WWE, AEW, perhaps it could be Sin. I was really pulling for Jonathan Gresham's promotion, Terminus. I was really pulling for that to become a big thing, but it looks to be like just one of those 
you know those live shows that they just tour like house shows you know but not really like a weekly kind of series if you will so that is crazy that is crazy we got another wrestling promotion guys on the rise and i gotta tell you ec3 is a very intelligent guy man so if anybody can make something pop off it is definitely ec3 braun Strowman, eh He's already showed that he could, you know, kind of say stupid things, <laughs> but we'll see how that goes. Guys, I want to thank you so much for joining me on the Highlight Reel. I will be back for the Rampage review, hopefully in full effect. I'm out,